week's edition of Sunday Morning Live from Fresh Fire Church. Today's message from Pastor Adam will encourage and strengthen your walk with Christ. If you would like to be a partner with Fresh Fire Church for $15 a month or more, become our patron on Podbean or visit freshfirechurch.net. And now, let's join the service. And uh, I'm going to continue it today. It could have many titles, but uh, we're going to continue it today because I, I really believe that one of the things I said to you last week was that God doesn't want you and I to have an encounter with church. God wants you and I to have an encounter with Him. God doesn't want you and I to have an encounter with the praise team, but an encounter with Him. God doesn't want you to have an encounter with me, but an encounter with Him. You know, we go to churches for all the wrong reasons. Some people go to a church because, well, they like one preacher over the other, or they go because they like the worship over there, but instead of going because they, they're going somewhere to have an encounter with Him. Oh, see, see, I called you out. That's what it all comes down to is having an encounter with Him. If you can't have an encounter with God somewhere, it's the wrong place. That's true. If you cannot have an encounter with God somewhere, it's the wrong place. Some people will just chase after miracles and you only go there and all you ever hear them talking about miracles, but we might get into that today, but you know, the devil can, can do tricks too. Exodus proves that, that, that the devil can do some things too. We have to be able to stand on more than just a miracle. Hallelujah. Uh, The the, the enemy will often imitate things. I'm thankful that he, he can't create, but he will imitate only God can create. Only God can do creative miracles. Hallelujah. And so I, I, but I just want to preface before we get into the word of God today, he wants you to have an encounter with him. Him above all else. Him. Not, not, not man, not church, not, not whether or not we have uh, various instruments or not, but an encounter with him. See, you, you and I should be able to have an encounter all by ourselves without an instrument without anyone else nearby or, or, or without even being in church, that you and I should be able to have an encounter anywhere. Hallelujah. We, we should be able to have an encounter in the Walmart parking lot. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, yesterday was just a trying day, and last evening I was on my way to Walmart. It was raining, and I called mom real quick, got to Walmart. I just wasn't in the mood, you know. I needed to do what I needed to do, get home, be done. And don't you know someone saw me in the parking lot? I had my head down. It was raining, and they stopped me and said, hey, Pastor Adam, I come through Food Line. We watch you on TV. I'm like, hi, and I try to keep moving. They're like, hey. But we had to pray in the parking lot. You and I should be able to have an encounter wherever we might be, that we don't need a a Hammond to have an encounter, or we don't need a drum set to have an encounter, but wherever we might be, God is really calling the church back to him. Let me tell you, we can never reach a world if the church first doesn't get saved, and there's a whole lot of people sitting in church today not really saved. Oh, see. I know we don't want to hear that, and you wouldn't want to think that about yourself, but there's a whole lot of people. We're sitting in church, but we're not ready. We're not right. Oh, I'll I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you by some of the silly stuff that we engage in and we allow in our life. We'll get mad over dumb stuff. And you know what I told somebody the other day? You know what? You just proved to me you really need Jesus. Because you get mad over all too many dumb stuff. Do you think God's really concerned about something as dumb as that? 
Are you hearing me? When we're talking about end of days, people dying, I mean, 3,000 people dead in the Middle East, amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And, and you're worried about someone sat in your chair. You need Jesus. You really need saved. I'm just going to tell you the way it, it might be rough today. Just hang on. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are bigger things we're talking about, but, but we're talking about eternity. We're talking about life and death. Hallelujah. And so we need to really make sure that the church can be the church and that we're on fire for God. My God, we were singing earlier, set a fire. My, 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 some of you need, some of you wouldn't know what fire from a sparkler felt, let less, much less the fire of God. Church used to sing, this little light of mine. What light? What light? All I see is your dark, miserable depression, your sad face, sad excuse for a Christian, the joy of the Lord. What? Joy? You're the poster child for gloom and doom. Are, are we hearing what, we're, what I'm telling you? I'm just telling you truth right now that the Bible says the joy of the Lord should be our strength. We call and we pray and we ask God for his fire, but, but what is it you really want? What we really need is an encounter with God. That's where we're going to go today. This, this little mini-series has been, I titled it Worship in the Wilderness, uh, because God had called the children of Israel out for a purpose to have an encounter with him. They had been in, enslaved for over 400 years. For a period of time and God made up his mind I'm calling you out of where you are to bring you to worship me in the wilderness whether you want to or not God's trying to call the church from where we are to a place of worship that we might have an encounter with him oh hallelujah I'm telling you, all the things that are going on is God is trying to draw his people back to him. Without us first coming back to him, we can never draw the world. We, we, we can never minister to anybody else. Are you hearing me? You and I really need the love of God. We need the love of Christ within us. We need the joy of the Lord. We need the fire of God again so that, so that we can be used as the word of the Lord came forth to go into the streets. What message are you going to take to the street? Uh-huh. What, what message, what, what demonstration of transformation can we take? Woo, Lord have mercy. I, I'll stop there. We'll just, we'll just go where I was planning to go. Uh, just side note, Norma's Closets Tuesday. Hallelujah. Come volunteer if you'd like. Hallelujah. Pay attention to your bulletin calendar, all the things that are going on. That's it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get your Bibles. Go to Exodus chapter 14. I don't know if there's anything else I'm supposed to tell you, but too bad. Next week's Baptism Sunday. Hallelujah. Baptism Sunday. So if you, if you hadn't told us yet and you want to be baptized, make sure you see me today. Hallelujah. And at some point when we're over with church, we'll go over some logistics with those of you who are. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Exodus chapter 14. We read it last week. We're going to begin in verse 10. I'm using this same text because we are living in chaotic times. Can you all hear Okay. All right. We said last week about worshiping in the wilderness. In other words, a place where we're confused, a place where we're neither there nor a place where we're neither here nor there. A tumultuous place. I mean, it, these are tumultuous times. Tumultuous times. Any, I mean, if you're alive and breathing, this is a tumultuous time, challenging times. And so we looked in, 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 in part 
last week on how the children of Israel were heading to the promised land, but how Pharaoh was coming behind them. And out of fear, they ask, are there no graves in Egypt? In other words, to die in the wilderness was no more glamorous than to die in Egypt. But they were thinking, well, why don't, if we're going to die, why don't we just go back and die in Egypt? Uh-huh. But I want to pick up with this text and, and try to continue and get through it today. Exodus 14, verse 10. Look at this. It says in verse 10, And when Pharaoh drew near... The children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now remember what I told you. These, are, these people have not talked to God for 400 years. But sometimes when something happens that's bad enough, it'll make you cry out to God. Uh-huh. It'll make you cry out, but, but their faith had sort of eroded. One of the things I know is that faith erodes when, when you do not teach your children. The, oh, we could just spend all day right there. The, their faith had eroded because they had not talked to God. God, not, God was not in a position to be able to teach them and talk to them, so their faith had eroded. But when trouble got, what, got intense enough, the Bible says they cried out to the Lord. Because remember, I laid it out last week. They mixed, uh, they, they had mixed with the Egyptians more, more so, so much more over the years, more and more, and their faith had deteriorated, deteriorated so much to the point that they had, they, 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 they had not had a relationship with God for 400 years, and so God was intent. I'm thankful that my God is an intentional God, and so God was intent on bringing them into relationship with Him. Just like he is intent on doing that with you. Uh-huh. I said God's intent on doing that with you. Oh, God, we used to sing a hymn years ago, draw me nearer, 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 precious Lord. God is intent on drawing you near. Some people are wondering why, why nothing but bad's happening in your life. It's because God's trying to get you to surrender, but because you're so rebellious, bad, he's just going to keep on. Amen, Brother Don? Sometimes God will just keep on with you until you'll fully surrender and say, all right, Lord, I'll give in. I surrender all. I'll give in to you. And so here we are. Here we are. Let's pick it up in verse 11. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. Oh, my God. Do you hear what they're saying? We're going to pause again. In other words, they're saying, leave us alone in our chaos. Leave us alone in our mess. Leave us alone in our poverty. Leave us alone in our shame. Leave us alone in our guilt. Leave us alone. I like being corrupt. Leave me alone. I like being broken. How many of you know there are some people they just like being the way that they are? See, I know some of you can't say amen, but there are some people we know, some people in our family, they just love being miserable. Even though they know that God is a deliverer, all-powerful, almighty, and he can set them free, they enjoy it too much because it gets them the attention that they want. I, I won't go there. But, but what they're saying right here in Exodus is the same thing that the world is saying to the church today. Leave us alone. 
Just leave us like we are, right? Don't, don't try to tell me any opposing position, right? Just go along. Don't, don't, don't try to go along and get along with us. Let us alone that we may, we, just, we may just live the way that we are, right? Leave me in my bondage. Leave me in, the, in my evil, terrible, suicidal thoughts. Leave me in my distress, right? And the reason the world says that is because the world wants the church to follow their culture, but no, the culture has to follow Christ. Are you hearing what I'm trying to do? The, what we're seeing most churches do is follow culture. I know I've been saying that a lot. It's because it, it's, it's just in me. And every time I talk to someone or have a conversation, I'm just seeing it more and more. Well, the church, we have been guilty of following the culture. Instead of realizing that the Bible is written in such a way that the culture would follow Christ. And the moment that the church gives into culture we now have lost them to Christ. Oh, see, that deserves a bigger amen and a shout hallelujah. I'm telling you the truth. I almost said Pastor Amy. Oh, that might be prophetic. Sister Amy gave that word a moment ago, hitting the streets. I'm going to tell you something. There are churches hitting the streets, but I don't like what they're preaching. I don't like the Jesus that they're showing. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? We have to make sure that, that we have, we, the church, or a church that culture can follow, that we will not adapt who we are in the word that we preach to, to adapt to the culture. Are you hearing me? It's not supposed to be easy to swallow. It won't always agree with you. Sometimes it will be difficult and challenge you, and it might make you a little upset at times. I'm here to tell you that, that the culture is to follow Christ, not man. Not a specific church, hallelujah. My God, my God. We'll move on. It, it, it says, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Listen to what Moses is saying. I'm just going to stop, but we're almost through it. But watch. Look what Moses, he's saying, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. In other words, he's saying, your emotions are talking to you. I know nobody in here is ever emotional. Moses was saying, hey, if you let your emotions talk, it will destroy you. Listen, if you let your emotions talk, it will, it will kill your marriage. If you let your emotions talk, it'll, 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 it'll harm your children. It'll, it'll harm and, and, and hinder your promotion. If you let your emotions get the microphone in your life, it will tear down everything that God is trying to do. That's why he said, do not be afraid. This is why you and I need to be real careful when we start getting more emotional than we are often sensible. Rational, spiritual even. Hallelujah. You and I should be way more spiritual than we are emotional. At the closer and closer you get to Christ, the less emotional you'll get. And the more spiritual you'll become. Right? I, I could care less that you, 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 you cry every time a, a song comes on the radio, right? We don't need just emotion. What we need is spiritual. I need to know that, uh, and you need to be able to be certain that you can hear the spirit of the living God when he's directing you in some way. Hallelujah. And so he's saying if we're not careful, we'll be emotional, and the enemy will use your emotions against you. Oh, God Almighty, that's good. All by, I'm already preaching, and I'm just introdu introducing to you. Because we live in a, we're, we are emotional. That's why even Facebook says, uh, how are you feeling? 
Facebook even wants you to tap into your, your emotions. And they got all kinds of emojis to describe how you feel. I know I'm not the biggest emoji king or anything. I don't even know what half of them mean. I've gotten myself in trouble because I've misused them a time or two. I just don't. Amen, brother. I didn't know some of them were, were terrible. Hallelujah. My point is culture wants you and I to be so fixed on our feelings. Facebook does it, Twitter does it, or whatever it's called now, Instagram, whatever. They all want you and I to be tapped into our feelings because as long as I'm, more, I'm tapped more into my feelings than I am anything else, then I can't be spiritual. My, my senses to my spirit are dulled because I'm more concerned about I'm sad, I'm depressed, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, and not allowing myself to be spiritual. Because the Bible says, the, as many are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. Are you, so the culture, the world does not want you to be led by the Spirit. They want you to be emotional. Because there's no power when you're emotional. You're not topped into the power source when you're being emotional. When you're depressed all the time. Oh my God, are you hearing what I'm telling you? All right, I'll move on. You don't like it. He says, stand still, watch this, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Now, I told you last week, if I was looking for an emotional response, that would be the area I'd focus on. I'm not going to focus on it again this week. I've preached it before. But we can't ignore what, what, what Moses is telling them, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. In other words, he was saying to them, the problems that you see today are not in your future. Amen is right. I was just going to shout for you. He said the problems you see today are not in your future. Some of you need to get this word in your spirit that what you're battling today, God is wanting to remind you he does not, have, he does not see it in your future. They may be in your present, but they are not in your future. The sickness you may be battling right now may be in your present, but it is not in your future. Poverty that you are dealing with right now, may, you may be dealing with in the present, but it is not in your future. Hallelujah. I don't know what it is, but whatever is in your present is not in your future. God will annihilate whatever it is. That's the kind of God that we serve. And you've got to be able to have the faith to believe that God will annihilate. Listen to what I'm telling you. Whatever it is. We're going to get to that part. Whatever stands in opposition to you, he will annihilate. I mean, just think about that. Annihilate. Woo. I know they're using bombs and all kinds of things in the Middle East. Guess what? God don't even need them. God don't even need them. God don't need uh, 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 weapons of mass destruction. God himself is a weapon of mass destruction. God uses weapons that we've never seen used before, right? Only God can use a, a sea to part and use it to drown your enemy. God can, can blink his eye and your enemies will fall to the ground. Are you hearing me? Victory is yours just because he thinks it. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? God will annihilate. He will annihilate whatever it is that stands against you. Right there, someone needs to receive that as your word today. Whatever problem is in your present is not in your future. Can we just tarry there a moment? You need to receive it. Some of y'all better wake up or else you baby should go down the street to the Presbyterian. I don't know, but you, you need to wake up. I'm hearing, I'm telling you what, what you need to hear. That God, the God that we serve will annihilate whatever stands against you. Whatever opposes you. Whoever opposes you. The devil himself. All, every demonic force that comes against you. God, the word of God says he will annihilate. Oh, hallelujah. He's worthy to be praised. He'll annihilate. Yeah, you can give him a hand clap of praise. Glory to God. Whatever it is, whatever it is, whoever it is, he'll annihilate it. It goes on in verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. Ah, he will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. We dealt with a little bit last week. That, that's when I said that that means you and I just need to be quiet. Some of us have a hard time being quiet. But in other words, we have to stop calling people, stop manipulating, stop trying to finagle things. The Lord will fight for you. In other words, some of us need to just steady to be quiet. I said we need to just steady to be quiet. Learn to shut our mouth. Amen. Amen. I heard that hardly. Hallelujah. I know he was saying amen on behalf of his wife. Amen. <laughs> she stood up. Glory to God. We got her on her feet. Hallelujah. You know when you're in a Pentecostal church when they hit their feet. Hallelujah. The Lord will fight for you. And you shall hold your peace. In other words, this is not a time for you and I to get in fights with people. To argue point of views, but hold our peace. Oh, that's one of the areas we're going wrong. We're getting in arguments and uh, things that aren't going to ever matter to anything. Amen. We're, we're breaking up friendships and not speaking to our families because we don't agree politically. Hold your peace. Come on, we, we see such great division and divide. Hold your peace. Know when to fight and know when to lay down your weapons. Are you hearing me? I, that's why I said last week the reason there is no unity is because we're not walking in humility. Churches don't have unity because we're not humble. Marriages don't have unity because we don't know what humility is. Our nation does not have unity because we don't have leaders that walk in humility. I mean, my God, they can't even get unified enough to have a, a speaker of the house. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely insane. And the reason is because they're not humble. They all should be fired. Every single one of them. Anybody that's not going to walk in humility. I said last week, what I'm looking for come next year's presidential is someone with humility. And if you ain't got it, you ain't got my vote. I know that'll, that'll freak some of you out. Because we need unity. As a nation, we need unity as a church. Let me tell you something. That means you need to check some of your friends that aren't always operating in unity. If they're always running to you, hated you here, get rid of them. Hey, you didn't hear it from me, but hey. They're not operating in a spirit of unity. In other words, where we ended last week was we need to, the Bible says that you and I should operate in a spirit of reconciliation. Reconciliation. 
Oh, my God. We need to be able to operate where we're looking to be reconciled. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And so, therefore, we need to have unity. Unity. We need to be careful not to allow our emotions get in the way and get the microphone in our life. Hallelujah. Because when your emotions get the best of you, that's when you and I start cocking our head and popping our neck. Haven't you ever noticed when, when I'll get angry, I'll start cocking my head and popping my neck, right? When, when people get emotional, we'll get up in your face. Oh, I know some of you are more saved than I am, I guess. Right, Gloria? Right? You, you got me. You got me. All right. Hallelujah. Amen. Pa- Sister Diana, I'm calling everybody pastor. I was going to call you Pastor Diana. Hallelujah. Lord. I, I, Listen, what I'm saying is, is we got to learn to hold our peace. We can't just use the excuse, oh, I'm just acting like my mother. Or, oh, I'm acting like my daddy. Or, oh, it's just how I am. Oh, no, no, no. Let me tell you something. Let me give you a wake-up call. If that's your excuse, look, it didn't work for them and it won't work for you. Oh, Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying? People will use that excuse all of the time. Oh, he just acting like his daddy. Well, that's a problem. That's a problem because they didn't walk in victory. They didn't have it all together either. And you're using that as your excuse to still live like a heathen. Oh, see. I said it might come for you. It's pastor's appreciation. I should be able to get away with the day. You have to love me to get into heaven. Hallelujah. You got to love me to make heaven, so you have to get over it. I'm just telling you the truth today. You and I got to become more aware of who we are, more aware of not allowing our emotions to rule us and be more, be more spiritual than we are emotional. You, you, you can be angry, but don't make your anger my problem. You can be having a bad day, but pop your neck at me. I'll pop mine right back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You, some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, what's he mean, pop on his neck? Well, then just make me mad. <laughs> Spend a day in the office. Come volunteer. Uh, <laughs> just, just spend some time with <laughs> Spend some time with Geneva. You'll see me pop my, my neck. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Right, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm just trying to be honest with you and let you know we're human. I said we're human. In other words, what I'm saying is, is, is seeing, he says for you and I, he said the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. In other words, that faith is not always loud and rambunctious. Oh, I like to be loud. I like to holler, shout, stomp, you know. I, I, I like a church that'll shout back at me, that'll get up on their feet and applaud when I'm preaching. I like it whenever they'll get on the hammond and play some preacher chords when I'm preaching, you know. I like all of those things. That's great. But you know what? Faith is not always loud and, and, and rambunctious. What God is saying right there through Moses is that there is a still, quiet faith. That there is such a thing as a still faith. As a quiet faith, that faith is not always loud. It is not always rambunctious. In other words, faith doesn't always show its muscles. Faith is often a quiet power. Oh, hallelujah. I am silent sometimes, but I'm deadly. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? 
See, that, that's why you don't have to just think that the only people that are on fire for God are the ones shouting. Oh, no. See, some of the people that are the quietest ones, you better watch. They're a silent weapon of mass destruction. And if you get them to pray and all hell will break loose. Are you hearing me? Faith doesn't always have to show its muscles. Meaning, in other words, just because you I said the other week, just because you're the loudest doesn't make you right. Ever get in an argument with your spouse and you scream back? I know, not in the church. None of y'all. Christians don't do that. But he, as you fight, you try to be louder than the one that's yelling at you to prove that you are right. But being the loudest doesn't make you right. The word of the Lord is saying, hey, sometimes being quiet is the way to go. Sometimes being still is the way to go. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So God has a plan. God has a plan that works itself over time for you and I. That, that's what this portion of text is talking about. Are you still with me? I want you to understand, based on part one of last week and where we're going to go today, that I want you to understand that God is not making this up as he goes along. That, that God has planned and, and predestined, right? God is not in heaven wringing his hands whenever things start going awry. God's not up in heaven looking today wondering what he's going to do about a situation he already has it figured out. God knew, the Bible says, the end from the beginning. God even prophesied, we laid that out last week, that God even prophesied to Abram before Moses' mother even got pregnant God had planned that the escape for the children of Israel before they ever even went into Egypt. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So God is not worried about or wringing his hands about what we see happening in the earth today. God has a plan. God is not wringing his hands and losing sleep over what's going on in your life right now. Hallelujah. God told Abram, from, uh, regarding our text, God told Abram, your people will sojourn in Egypt for 400 years. But he said, after they sojourn there for 400 years, they will come out with great substance. In other words, God had the future figured out before the characters ever shown up on the scene, before they were ever even born. Hallelujah. So, so oftentimes here you and I are living our life, trying to come up into the house of God, thinking that we're conspiring with God to plan our future. But your future is already planned out before you ever even get there. You might be shocked by what happens sometimes in your life, but God is not shocked by what is happening in life right now. God is not caught off guard by anything we see and that surprises us. Because God always makes a way of escape before you and I ever ran into the problem. Oh, hallelujah. I said God makes a way of escape before you and I ever run into the problem. And what I love about God, based on the text that we're looking at, is that when God gets ready to bring you and I out, there's no devil, there's no witch, there's no weakness, there's no dumb decision that you ever made that can stop the hand of God. But what you and I need, do need to learn is just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Oh, amen, hallelujah. There's none of those things that can stop the hand of God. Some of you think that your dumb, bad decisions can stop. No, if God gets ready to bring you out, nothing can stop the hand of God from bringing you out. Because whatever God started, he always finishes. Thank you, Lord. 
So I want you to find some courage and some encouragement this morning in, in this. That the reason you and I need to just often stand still we're in, when we're in the midst of the battle and when things are going awry in our life is we need to stand still because we know. We know that God is planning at least 400 years in advance. That's what this text proves to me. Some of you and I are worried and losing sleep over all kinds of things. They're, they're small in comparison to the text that we're reading. They're, they're small in comparison to what's happened in the Middle East, and you can't even go to sleep, but yet you need to be able to find peace in your life that we know at least from this text that God is plans ahead at least 400 years. I mean, that's enough to give God some thanks and praise in this house that, that while you're worried about tomorrow, God says, I've got tomorrow plus 400 years covered. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Remember the old hymn, I don't know about, I don't know, about, I don't know but I know who holds tomorrow, right? <coughs> My God, he, he's got it planned at least 400 years in advance. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. The truth is, the book of Revelation even says that he was slain before the foundations of the world. In other words, so God thinks all the way ahead. Before, before the foundations of the earth were even laid, it says that he, he, he was slain before the foundations of the earth. So God thinks all the way ahead. In other words, you and, I need, you and I need to stop being worried and f full of fear about all the things that we see and everything that we're not in control of because God has already thought all the way through. We, we serve a God that is sovereign. We serve a God that is absolute, I'm telling you, and there is no one above him. He is God all by himself. God don't need my help to be God. There was no one bigger than God. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? There was no one above him. There was no one smarter than God. There is no one greater than God. There's no one stronger than God. I posted something last night because it was, it was something the Lord was speaking to me. Artificial intelligence is just that. It's artificial. But God is absolute intelligence. Yeah, amen. Everybody is all freaked out about artificial intelligence. People were just dumb, 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 getting all caught up about AI and what artificial intelligence will do. God is absolute intelligence. He is the AI. He, are you hearing me? I said he is the AI. They're calling it automated intelligence or whatever, but, but he is the AI. He, he, he is the absolute intelligence. Nobody's smarter than him. Make what you want to make. Build robots that can do whatever. But he is the absolute intelligence. Hallelujah. And he's worthy to be praised in this house. Absolute intelligence. Glory to God. There, beyond that, he is all-knowing. He is all-seeing. He is the all-wise God. That's why I said he is the absolute intelligence. The, my, my, my Apple phone, my Apple watch, all of those fun things, I can say, hey, Siri, and ask her a question, and she's just as dumb as a box of rocks. Because you know what? Oftentimes I get the response, I can't get that answer right now. Well, then what use are you? Or you'll say, hey, Google. Now everyone's phones are going to start going off here and on TV and online. Yeah, how can I help? And oftentimes you'll get, I can't get an answer to that right now. Because you're not absolute intelligence. 
Are you hearing what I'm telling you? But when you go to God, he is absolute intelligence. You can get an answer. Remember the, the song, call him up, call him up, tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line because he is absolute intelligence. My God, I'm going to like a rocket about to take off. Some of you need to get a hold of what I'm telling you today. You can Google something and still not get the answer. You can search it on Bing or ask your Apple Watch and ask Siri and all of those things. But we serve a God who is absolute intelligence and he is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of glory. He is worthy of honor. Hallelujah. For he is the mighty AI. Hallelujah. Woo, Jesus. Hallelujah, now you're waking up. That's why he said, I am that I am. Because I am the absolute intelligence. Oh, hallelujah. The absolute intelligence. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. He is absolute intelligence. Hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. See, see what, I'm, what I, what I want to get to is God wants you and I to have an experience with him. He's so determined. God, God even wanted the children of Israel to have an experience with him. So, so, so he determined Moses would be born Hebrew by a Hebrew slave. Now watch this. I'm going to lead this up to prove to you how God wants you to have an encounter with him too. Moses went up against favor the superpower of the day and yet God made a way of escape my God people are online on TV and stuff talking about what's happening in the Middle East and people are afraid of Russia and people are afraid of China and that's because you don't know the word preachers preaching stuff like that you and I need to really be immersed in the word of God more now than ever hallelujah you should not be walking in fear because if you read the whole story you don't need to be afraid of them hallelujah because my God is absolute intelligence <laughs> Moses went up against Pharaoh Pharaoh was the superpower of the day and yet even God made a way, a way of escape for Moses some of you got to understand this text. All right? God always makes a way of escape. Always makes a way of escape. Some of us are here because we were a miracle even from birth. Some of you grew up and, and you shouldn't be here, but you are. And your mom told you a story about how you were a miracle baby, how, how they predicted that you died or you, you, or you were born too many weeks early. And just the very fact that you are here living and breathing, even now it's a miracle. Some of you should have been diagnosed to die years ago, but I'm still here. Are you hearing me? Some of you should understand this because just by you being here, even, even though you lived through all your dumb, stupid mistakes, you're a miracle. You're a walking miracle. Are you hear me? Moses being born as a boy that he was as a, from a Hebrew slave. His mama floating him in a basket down the river. Makes him a miracle. Then he didn't just grow up. He grew up in Pharaoh's house. I mean, he's a miracle. And some of you can relate to that because you've seen a miracle. You are a miracle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why some of us, we, we don't lose our mind every time something goes. Somebody kicked, attacked me on Twitter this week, and I didn't lose my mind, you know, because I'm a miracle. Your tweet won't destroy me. 
all your little Facebook battles and your Twitter and all that nonsense the church gets chimed up in? Are you hearing me? It ain't going to destroy me. You need to understand you're a miracle. Don't worry about people's opinions of who you are and what you do. You're a walking miracle. Hallelujah. Moses couldn't get caught up in what other people thought of him. He was a walking miracle. He, he, he was born and predestined to do something and to perform greatness for the body of Christ, for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. God purposed Moses to be. He purposed him to be born at the time he was born, in the home that he was born in, to the mother he was born to, in the situation he was born in. God purposed his mother to hide him for, for, for three months. She was a slave woman, and God purposed her to, slot, to hide him for three months. I don't know about you, but how in the world do you hide a baby in a hut when trained soldiers are all around? Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? But, but I, I've learned something. When God wants to hide you, nobody can find you. Somebody was seeking my advice the other day. They go to another church and they're friends of mine and they were all upset that the preacher hadn't used them. I said, why are you so mad that he's not using you? Didn't you ever consider the fact that maybe God is hiding you? Maybe he's hiding you because, because they're not the ones. Oh, God, I can't help myself today. I said, maybe he is hiding you to protect you and that God knows if you start using your gift and you start stepping on your anointing there instead of them loving you they might attack you because you aren't always as ready as you think you are for what's coming down the road see when God wants to hide you nobody can find you hallelujah so that's why you and I don't need to get mad you don't need to get angry you need to give God praise that he's protecting you Hallelujah. So the baby's mama floats him down the river and he ends up in the arms of Pharaoh's daughter. And so Pharaoh, or so now Moses is raised in the house of his enemies. So because for what God is going to do in his life, God has him be raised up in the house of his enemies because for what all that God needs to do in his life, God needs Moses not to think like a slave. He needs him to think like a leader. Hallelujah. That's why last week I told you that this was the liberation, the liberation of the Hebrews. They went into, uh, they went into slavery as a family, but they came out of slavery as a nation. And that was because Moses was raised up in the house of Pharaoh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so this text that we're reading, that we read this morning, is a fight between nations. Same thing we're seeing today. A fight between nations. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The Hebrews left Egypt as a nation. And Pharaoh was intimidated by them because they were a mighty nation. But they fought like slaves. Mm, hallelujah. That's why God put Moses in their midst. I want you to recognize something about God in this text. God has spared no expense to liberate them. I'm going to show it to you. Hang on. God spared no expense to liberate them. Because God used unique devices to cause them to prevail. That's what I love about God. God doesn't use your normal weapons that, that we, would, we would think that God might use. God doesn't use ordinary things to cause them to prevail. 
Notice, first he tells Moses to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. But before you go tell him, he, he tells Moses, I want you to go practice in the wilderness. It, this is kind of important. If we read just before this text, before Moses goes up to talk to Pharaoh, he tells him, before you go, I want you to go practice in the wilderness what I'm trying to tell you to do. Now, this is important because I, I know what practice is. Years ago when I was a child, many years ago, when, when I was just a little boy, I, I practice what I'm doing today. My mom's here. She can tell you today that there are times my mom would find me pretending and play in church. In my bedroom or wherever I might set it up, I'd have my stuffed animals and my buddy doll or whatever else it was, Care Bears. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? I, I, ain't, I ain't ashamed. I had a Care Bear. I had a My Buddy doll. I had little stuffed bears. You forget I was a kid once. I would line them up. Hallelujah. We'd have prayer service and the, I would believe that the power of God hit them and they'd fall into the power of God. I'm not joking. Before I ever even had a keyboard, I had a little white desk. Just a simple white desk. It was about this big. Little white chair. And I would sit down and that would be my piano. And I have a chalkboard, mom, you know. And my chalkboard, believe it or not, looked just like this. Did it not, mother? I drew stone on the chalkboard with a cross in the middle. Right. When I got a set of drums, I had a set of drums before I had a, a, a piano. Then I finally recruited my sister. She'd be the drummer while I'd be on the fake piano. And we'd get up and then, watch this, and then in the back of, of where, whatever room we were in, sometimes we were outside, I had a little tractor trailer. And the tractor trailer would come apart, and the trailer of it would had a door that came down. And I would set that in the back of the room, and that was my TV camera. I'm telling you the truth. See, mom thought I was just practicing, but it was prophetic. I, I said it was prophetic. I was practicing for what God brought us into. Now, right now, this morning, we were viewed in 32 nations around the world, translated into 38 different languages. Are you hearing me? God was preparing us for what he was going to do. God will always make you rehearse before you hit the stage. See, it's cute and it's funny, but I'm trying to help you to understand that God always wants you to rehearse. So many people want to be called into ministry, but they won't, don't want to take the time to rehearse. You hear me? I was rehearsing, laying hands on stuffed animals way before I ever laid hand on a human. I was learning to play by ear without a keyboard before I ever got a keyboard. Are you hearing me? I, I was preaching. A, uh, I remember, I remember the only thing I could ever preach is, oh, oh, don't you know my God? Won't he do it? I remember preaching that over and over. Oh, won't he do it? Won't he do it? That's no different than what Moses went to the wilderness to do. I'm telling you, read the Bible if you're not thinking what I'm telling you is the truth. The Bible says that, that Moses had to go out there and Moses had to rehearse too. He went out there practicing his stuff in the wilderness. Nobody was out there. Nobody was with me when I was practicing church either. I thought there were millions of people watching through my pretend TV camera. Bless God. 
I was raised in church, saw church, all of those things, and God had me rehearse, and I didn't even know it. Hallelujah. Moses was out there practicing his stuff too. How do I know? The Bible says that when he got onto the wilderness, God told him, Moses, put your hand in your cloak. He put his hand in his cloak, and then God said, Moses, pull it out. He'd have leprosy on his, on his hand. He said, put it back. Pull it out, and it would be healed. He, he, he said to him, now, Moses, throw down your stick. Moses would throw a stick down, and what was a stick when he threw it to the ground became a snake. And then God would say, now pick it up again. And so he would pick it up and be become, a, it would become a rod again. He was practicing because if we read on in the text, Moses has to use these very same skills when he gets before Pharaoh. Are you seeing what I'm trying to tell you? God wanted him to be able to have the confidence in his craft so that when God would bring him before the great men, he wouldn't faint on the stage. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Mm, hallelujah. Whew. Hallelujah. What I love about this text is Moses had a stutter, but even though Moses had a stutter, it didn't mean that God wouldn't use him. Uh-huh. Just because you and I make mistakes, it doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan for our life. Oh, hallelujah. Just because we're going through a bad time right now doesn't mean that, that we don't have a great ending. Just because we stumble backwards doesn't mean we're not going to go forward. Amen. Just because we're going down right now doesn't mean that, that we're not about to stand up on our feet again. Hallelujah. I love that about God. What, what we see about Moses rehearsing helps to just reinforce all of that into our life. That we can have bad moments. We can have moments where we're rehearsing and practicing. And we can feel like God is never going to use us. But God's not done yet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God told Moses. Tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses has the power to walk into Pharaoh's house because he was raised in the house. So he walked in and told Pharaoh, but Pharaoh thought that he was a god. You understand that Pharaoh was so full of himself, but also because he had so much power, Pharaoh considered himself a god. Well, that's one lesson that we need to learn as a church. If you and I aren't careful, success will make you drunk on your own self. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? That's some of the problem with the church today is some of our churches and our men and women of God think they're so big that they themselves are a God. That's the truth. They have a bigger entourage than Jesus ever had. Are you hearing me? We got preachers that have a bigger entourage than 12 disciples. They got security detail and, I mean, escort cars and everything else. Because you must be bigger than Jesus. I'll leave it alone, I promise. Hallelujah. Turn back to Exodus chapter 7 real quick. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sister, turn that on for me, would you? Exodus 7, I got to hurry. Exodus 7, verse 8. I'm, I'm about to show you something that's going to blow your mind. I mean, I'm about to show you Jesus right here in Exodus. Exodus chapter 7, verse 8. 
Oh, my God. This is one of the things I teach in Bible college when I get the chance to teach it. I love showing the Bible college students and raising people up in the Word of God so they can understand Jesus always was. Exodus chapter 7, verse 8. Let me preface it by saying to you, Jesus is about to eat up whatever is coming for you. Exodus chapter 7 verse 8 when the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying when Pharaoh speaks to you saying show a miracle for yourselves then you shall say to Aaron in other words the reason I turned had you turn back here is this is when you're going to find out why you and I've been practicing in the desert this is when you and I are going to find out why I practiced as a little boy play in church before long before God ever let me preach this is the same reason why sometimes you and I don't get the recognition that we may need or our church hasn't got the spotlight that we may we may be may feed thousands but I remember I told you that you and I need to get ready for those that same line of people that line up to get food from this church is also going to line up to get in to get a word from God remember Clifford remembers the reason it hadn't happened yet is because God said I needed you to practice I need you to get some things right watch this I'm telling you says in verse 8 he goes on to say take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh and let it become a serpent is what I just told you so Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and they did so just as the Lord commanded and Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants and it became a serpent but Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers so the magicians of Egypt so they also did in like manner with their enchantments look at that their enchantments it's something different that's why I said the devil does tricks too that's why you, if you surround yourself with people all they want to talk about is miracles and all they follow is miracles you better watch We got to watch because we need to be rooted and we need to be grounded in more than just what we see with our eyes. That's the problem with people who only chase after a miracle. I'm not preaching against it. We serve a God that is a God of miracles. But I need to know that it absolutely is a miracle and I need you to be rooted in more than just a chase in a miracle. I need you to be rooted on more than what you see with your eye because, because Pharaoh said, those tricks you've been practicing, we do that too. Look at this in verse 12. For every man, watch this, every man threw down his rod and they became serpents. Every magician with Pharaoh threw down their rod. My, my, my. And they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. I said Aaron's rod, one rod, one rod swallowed up their rods. Think about this. They had all of their rods that became serpents. Aaron only had one rod, but and it became a serpent. But it was stronger than all the serpents put together. Is somebody hearing me? There, there, this is important to you, and this is why I want to point this out to you today. There's something really important here between their sticks and their snakes, the rod and the snake. I don't have time to preach the depth of it that I would if this was a Bible college class, but there is a relationship here. And believe it or not, there, there's something powerful I want you to see. It was a stick in his hand. 
but when he cast it down it became a stake now think back a few weeks ago if you remember oh I love the way that God ties things together a few weeks ago I preached to you out of the book of Acts when when Paul was on the way to Rome and he ended up living through a shipwreck and when they finally got to the island and got on there the, 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 the inhabitants of the island built a fire to help dry out and get warm Paul and all the other people who were in the shipwreck, hallelujah, and allow them to warm up. And Paul, the Bible says in, in what is it, uh, Acts 27, Paul reached down and gathered up some sticks. But while he gathered up some sticks, he also picked up a snake. Remember, the Bible says that, that while he gathered, he, a, 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 a snake, a serpent, reached out and bit him. And that was the message I preached, shake it off. Oh, hallelujah. And the reason it shows up so many times through Scripture is because there's a relation, there's a correlation between the stick and the snake. There's no mistake that the stick became a snake. And the one that we went, and the one that went from a stick to a snake devoured all the snakes of the magician. Why am I spending time on this? As I want you to understand this is Calvary. This is Calvary. This is, this, is, uh, uh, this is showing Jesus long before he ever comes on the scene and is crucified. I'm going to prove it to you. Because the Bible says that Jesus Christ carried a cross up the hill. That's the stick. But when he got on the stick, when he got on the cross, he became the snake for us. The Bible says he became sin who knew no sin. That we might be the righteousness of God. So by him becoming that, he, he said, remember, he said, if I be lifted up from the earth, if you cast me out, I'll turn into the cure for the venom that, that bit you in the first place. See, Satan, Satan can, can curse. Satan can cast a spell. All those witch doctors can do whatever they want to do. They can send curses. We've had witches attack us and attack me. Just weeks ago, I had some witch reaching out and trying to attack and sending us all kinds of nasty messages and word curses. But it didn't freak me out because I understand who God is. So Satan can curse and Satan can send spells and he can do all those things. But watch this. When Jesus went to the cross, Jesus bore every curse. Jesus bore every spell that was ever against you and I. That was the one snake eating up all the other snakes. Is somebody hearing what I'm trying to tell you? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh well, I shouldn't have beat it on the pulpit. I just cost you all four hundred dollars. Oh my God! Lois is about to have a heart attack. Four hundred more. I, I'm just here to tell you. I grew up playing church, and part of what I would play church is my spiritual father would break microphones on the pulpit. We were Holy Ghost. He would get so anointed, and the power of God would hit him. And sometimes he'd even get angry at the sound booth and the cameramen because they would fall asleep and not be paying attention. And he'd pound his fist. They wouldn't listen. He'd hit that mic because he knew they had headphones on. And when you got headphones on and you're in the sound room, it would wake them up. Glory to God. I can't tell you. We, we had shelves of microphones on standby because we had to hand him a new mic about every two, three weeks. 
So I just did what my spiritual father you taught me to do. Hallelujah. Back to the word of God. I'm getting you right to where I need you to be. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? That's why I said this, this, this right here in Exodus 7 is Calvary. It's Calvary. It's, it's, it's Calvary. It's Calvary. It, it's, it's a glimpse of Jesus coming forward. It's a glimpse of Jesus being, being, being prophesied that he is on the way. This was the one snake eating up all the other snakes. He devoured every last one of them. This is the first glimpse I'm here to tell you that we see of the stick and the snakes. Are you see, hearing? Like Jesus didn't just die as the Lamb of God. He became sin for us. He became the cure for the venom of sin that the first man Adam ever partook of. He is the stick that became the snake. He became sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Listen to me. So it doesn't matter what they do to you. It doesn't matter what the devil does to you. Somebody needs to hear me. It doesn't matter what sickness you and I are battling right now. It doesn't matter. Jesus became it for you. Oh, see, someone needs to allow their faith to get increased this morning. Jesus, whatever the doctor diagnosed you with, Jesus became it already. That's how I know healing is already here. Whatever mental diagnosis they gave you, Jesus already became it. Uh Uh-huh. Amen. Whatever poverty you and I are in, Jesus became. Oh, God, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what the enemy does to you. It doesn't matter what hex people, some witch would try to put on you. It doesn't matter if they got a lock of my hair. Amen. The Bible says that no weapon formed against you would be able to prosper because God said, I'll eat it up. That's why I said earlier, Jesus will eat up whatever it is that comes against you because that one snake ate up all the other serpents that the magicians had. Are you hearing me? Whatever it is that's trying to attack you, whatever it is that the enemy uses against you Jesus will eat it up are you hearing me some of you need to just prophesy over your life eat it up Jesus 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 eat it up eat up cancer Jesus eat up diabetes Jesus amen eat eat, eat up my liver Eat, eat up the disease of my liver Jesus amen eat up poverty Jesus Eat up my mental state, Jesus. Eat up depression, Jesus. My God, somebody better hear the word of the Lord. Eat it up, Jesus. Oh, because just one snake ate up the other hundreds of snakes that Pharaoh and his magicians used. Oh, my God. Eat it up, eat it up, eat it up. Hallelujah. In other words, you can have multiple things working against you, coming against you, but you only need one thing on your behalf. Eat it up, Jesus. That's why Paul said, I'm hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, because he understood, eat it up, Jesus. Hallelujah. The reason Paul didn't lose his mind in the shipwreck, because he understood, Jesus will eat it up. My God, is somebody hearing what I'm trying to tell you? We are in a perilous times. We are in difficult times. You have things going wrong all over the place and all over the world, but you need to understand who is the God that we serve. He can eat it up, and it's no problem for him. One serpent ate all the others. He became the serpent for you. Oh, my God, my God, my God. In other words, sometimes I think we just ask God for too much. When you and I need to understand something, we need just one thing. Amy, we just need one thing. 
My God, the church is getting it wrong. We need just one thing. While we preach seven ways to get blessed, all these cute little things that, that are popular that fill a church and we can, the preachers can preach in their flip-flops and their blue jeans. I'm telling you the truth because we take on the culture. I won't go back. We ask God for too much stuff. But he says, I want you just to ask for one thing. If you really knew who I was, you'd realize you only need one thing. See, the reason that Pharaoh was able to walk, or the reason that Moses was able to walk into the presence of Pharaoh, the superpower of the day, that would be like you or me walking into the Oval Office at the White House. President Biden is the most powerful man in the world. That'd be like me showing up at the gates. Be like, don't y'all know who I am? I was on TV. And telling him, the Lord says, let my people go. Scared as all could be, thinking he could arrest me, Secret Service might shoot me. Hallelujah, put me in the loony bin. Jesus says, if you really know who I am, you'll, then you'd know you only need just one thing. Just one thing is all, is all that you need. Just one thing. Just, just one thing is all you need. See, see you, you just need to be one with God. You just need to be one with his presence. You just need to be one with his glory. See, in other words, he's saying, I need you to put away your lists. And remember that I said in Matthew chapter 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Amen. In other words, you and I need to get the revelation, I, I love you, but I don't need you in my life. In other words, when people want to walk away, I love you, but you got to go if you got to go. Amen. I want you to be in my life, but if you don't want to be here, see ya. I only need one thing. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? That, that if your enemy, your, your list of enemies is bigger than your list of friends, you only need one thing. If you have more diagnosis than you do have things right with you, you only need one thing. Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus. In other words, God is trying to show you who is in charge. God used, think about this, God used locusts and he used water and turned it into blood and God, God sent frogs and he sent lice up after the Egyptians and, and he put boils on their bodies and he, he, he caused their livestock to get sick and die. He sent hail down from the heavens and on and on and on. But look at the expense that God went to to get his people out. And the reason I'm telling you that is because when God makes up his mind to get you out, he will spare no expense to come and get you out. I'm taking my time with this closing because I, I, I want you to understand just how awesome that God is and then how dare you and I sit in church with our lips glued together when we serve a God that brings us out. See, this is why I know it's dangerous to be an enemy against someone that God wants to use. Look at the extent God will go if you become an enemy of God. So when someone rises up against you, you better stand back. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God don't take no mess. Hallelujah, he don't take no mess. Pharaoh, 
in all of his might, in all of his armies, Pharaoh had no response to battle lice. He had no armies that knew how to fight boils or frogs or locusts. He only had armies that knew how to fight people. God used things that he knew not how to fight. Because God will hit people where their weapons will not work. God will do all of that to let his people go. So Moses is leading them forward almost against their own will because they've been murmuring and complaining. So while he was trying to get them out from under favor, they heard his army. That's the first text we read today. They heard his army coming from behind. The Bible says that they got afraid. In other words, their emotions took over their intelligence. Have you ever had your emotions take over your intelligence? That, that, that our reasoning becomes so flawed. Just like the children of Israel, their reasoning became so flawed, they start arguing over where they're going to die. And they said, are there no graves in Egypt? But Moses said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Hallelujah. Do not be afraid. Of course they were scared. These are people who lived and saw the atrocities that Pharaoh had done for 400 years. They knew what he had the capability of doing to them. But one of the reasons they were afraid is, watch this, God had worked around them, but he had not yet worked in them. Moses said, do not be afraid, because Moses knew God was trying to take them to the wilderness to worship him so he could work in them. So God said, spoke to Pharaoh through Moses let my people go that they may worship me in the wilderness I titled this little mini series worship me in the wilderness and the reason is but what it really all boils down to is God is trying to take his people on a date again so God's trying to take you on a date everything else that God did for them the locusts, the boils, the lice, the water, the blood, and all the plagues. But God, doing things for you is different than having God do things in you. So they came down to the Red Sea, and I'm closing with this. They came down to the Red Sea, and they thought they're going to die. And Moses told them to shut up. He just, that's what he said. He, he said, basically, just shut up. You know what I love about that is the Lord spoke to me. He said, Adam, tell the church that they don't have the kind of faith today to take an insult. You know, if, if most preachers would tell you and I to shut up, we'd get mad and leave. Mo, I'm telling you, Moses basically looked at the people and told them to shut up. You and I need to, in these last days, have the kind of faith that can take an insult. Don't get mad over silly, stupid stuff that the enemy would use to get you to be emotional. Because emotional will lead you away from eternal. Instead, we need to be quiet and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord 
because the Bible said, for the Egyptians you see today, you shall see no more. Listen, he didn't say, God never said to them that they wouldn't have to fight or, or have trouble again, but that what they were worried about today, they would see no more. We know based on knowing our scripture that they had to fight many days ahead in their future. But what God did say is what you see today, the problem you see today, you will see no more again in your future. So you and I need to settle this in our minds right now. You need to settle this in your mind that in spite of the hoof prints that you hear coming behind you, in spite of the images that you see in your life, in spite of what you see going on, hallelujah, that we're not going to live our life based on those things. We're going to live our life based on what God has told us, what He has promised us. The, the, the Holy Spirit said to me, the same manner of which... Moses was trying to tell the children of Israel, you will not die here. In what you are up against right now and whatever it is that you are battling right now, you will not die here. This, what you were dealing with, it will not kill you. It may hurt you, but it will not kill you. I will not die here. You need to be able to find the fight in you. Are you hearing me? You need to be able to find the fight in you. Dig down deep and find the fight in you. And the, listen, they, they could not die at the Red Sea. The reason I know that they could not die at the Red Sea is because they had a rendezvous, a rendezvous scheduled with God. God could not allow the Red Sea to restrict their meeting. He, he says, let my people go that they may worship me in the wilderness. So God had a plan. God had a plan. Last week I introduced you to uh, that you and I needed to be reconciled with people. But I don't want you to get hung up on being reconciled with people because what you and I need to first be reconciled with is God. If we are not reconciled with God, we cannot be reconciled with people. In other words, God is calling you back to Him. God is calling every person under the sound of my voice back to Him. God is calling every blonde hair, gray hair, red hair, thin hair, no hair. God's calling every every big lip buck tooth person back to him. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? Whether we're short or we're fat, God's calling his people back to him. He's calling people from Europe and Asia. He's calling his people from Australia and the United States. He's calling his people from China. He's calling his people, whether we're right or black, brown, or it doesn't matter. God's calling his people back to him. God is calling the drug dealer and the deacon all at the same time. God's calling the senators and whomever they are back to him. Hallelujah. He, he, he said this. He said, if you call them back to me, what will end up happening? If you call them back to me, they'll bump into each other while they're calling back to me. So in other words, you and I, if we'll be reconciled to God, in the midst of being reconciled to God, we'll bump into the people we need to be reconciled with. In other words, our marriage will get right if we'll just get right with God. People wondering what's wrong with the children of today. What's wrong with the children of today is they can't obey God because they don't see us obeying God. They can't be what they cannot see. They're never going to start obeying God if you're not. So in order for God to give them access to Him, God parted the Red Sea because it was standing in the way of them getting to Him. He opened up a way and allowed them to cross over on dry ground. They were, see, they were trying to get away from Pharaoh. They were trying to get away from Pharaoh more than they were trying to get to God. That's why they were afraid. 
this is where I want to leave you with today. At what point, at what point do you and I stop running from and start running to? It started out last week, I told you, are there no graves in Egypt? Why would you bring me the wilderness to die when I could have just died in Egypt? What is it about you that needs to die to get to the promised land? See, sometimes God puts you in the wilderness to kill the thing that's stopping you from the promised land. Because the Bible says that the first generation died in the wilderness. They died in the wilderness because their motive. They were running from Pharaoh and not running to God. And so God raised up another generation in the wilderness who had no Pharaoh to run from. See, what God wants from us what God has challenged me to do in this church is to create a thirst for Him in this room. I'm glad you come to church. I'm glad people watch online. I'm glad people watch us on TV. But why are you here? Why are you watching if all you're doing is running from favor? See, God will kill your Pharaoh just to check your motive. He will kill your Pharaoh to check your motive. Hallelujah. God wants you and I to have an encounter with him. And you and I can't have a relationship with him without having an encounter first. God doesn't want you and I to come in here and have an encounter with me or the worship team or anything else. God wants you to come in here and have an encounter with him. God is the one who brought you out. God is the one who brought you here today. And we serve a God that the Bible says he is a jealous God. He is a jealous God. He is jealous that he brought you out and yet we end up, God brings us out and we fall in love with somebody else. It takes up more of our time. God is jealous that he spends all of his resources to deliver you and I and you and I still don't put him above everyone else. God often holds second place in our lives. But we serve a God that he says, I want you to miss me. I want you to have an encounter with me. Let me, let me sum it up with just this. I'm not going to give your official altar call today because if I have to give an altar call based on everything I've already preached, I failed. God wants this church God wants the church to come to the altars of God again, crawling and begging Him for His presence. Begging Him for His anointing. And He will meet you and I in the wilderness. He will meet you and I in our despair. He will meet you and I in our pain. God, God said, it, it, it's not enough that you escape Pharaoh if you don't find me. In other words, God doesn't want you and I just to come to church because we're running from something. So that we're running from our old self or running from what we used to be caught up in. See, God wants you and I to be sure that we're not just running from our Pharaoh, but that we're running to something, that we're running to Him.
God wants you and I to have an encounter with Him. Because God, one of the things God said to me, He said, Adam, most of the people of God, they're better at coming to work than they are coming to me. We're more committed going to work than we are ever coming to the house of God. Because we need an encounter with Him. When was the last time we saw our churches just flood the elders of God, calling out to Him for an encounter? Saying, there's only one thing I need, Jesus. There's only one thing I stand in need of, Jesus. It's not, it's not just money. It's not just a healing. It's not, I need you, Jesus. Come to my rescue. Where else can I go? That's what that song says. I need you, Jesus. Come to my rescue. Where else could I go? I don't know where you and I are at in our walk with God, but I can tell you this. God wants you and I to have an encounter with him. I don't know what all is going on in your life. I just know what is going on in the world today, and we are in crazy times. And I just know that we need one thing. We need one thing. We need one thing. Going back to the scripture, we need one thing that will that will eat up everything else that's standing in opposition to you and I. And, and the only way we're going to get that is to have an encounter with him. To have an encounter with him. Hallelujah. We need to have an absolute encounter with God again. We need to be able to be, to, to be immersed in his presence again. We need his anointing. We need his presence. We need his glory. We need his anointing again. Hallelujah. And I can't make you have an encounter with God. I can introduce you to it. But whether or not you have that yourself, that is entirely up to you. If you can, stand to your feet this morning in this place. And as we close, whatever it is that you need to do, I just want you in some way, my prayer is that you would have an encounter with God. Have an encounter with God. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. You're the one thing. You're the one thing that we need. We have a long list of things that we pray for. We have a long list of things that we want. Things that we often think would make us whole. But there's one thing. Greater than all the other things. There's one thing greater than every opposition that stands against me. There is one thing greater than every demon, greater than the devil, greater than every sickness, greater than any disease, greater than anything that we stand in opposition to that is greater, and that is you, Jesus. So, Father, my prayer today is that, Lord, you would be introduced in this place, that, Lord, your people would begin to have an encounter with you day by day, hour by hour. And that, Lord, above all else, that, Lord, we would seek you first, the kingdom of God. And all of these other things would be added unto you. 
God, I pray that you would be what we would seek above everything else. That, Lord, we would seek your presence beyond anything else. Lord, we would seek your anointing before we do anything else. God, we would seek your glory before we do anything else. So my prayer is that, God, that we would be able to create in this room a thirst for you. A thirst for you. A thirst for your presence. I pray in the name of Jesus. So, God, do what only you are able to do. Only, God, you can create a thirst. Only, Lord, you can draw your people. So, Lord, I say what Moses said to Pharaoh. Let your people go. From everything that has had them entangled and entrapped and deluded and polluted and, and, and weighted down, I just decree and I declare today, let the people of God go in the name of Jesus. That they may have an encounter with God. That they may worship God in the wilderness. So God, we give you the glory and we give you the honor and all the praise today. You are awesome. You are great. You are mighty. And we love you in this place. God, I pray you bless the week ahead. Bless everything that we do, everything that we partake in. Bless and prepare us for next week for what you would do and accomplish. In our lives that will be touched and changed for your glory. Bless our time of fellowship today. God, we give you thanks, praise, and glory in your name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.